Hello and welcome to another episode of the Theo Keeps Talking podcast, where you may laugh or you may learn. Available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. My name is Theo, and the most important question of the day, how are you all doing? This is my first non-super serious podcast in a couple of weeks uh, since the Halloween episode, I believe. It's nice having a balance between serious and fun topics for sure. If you haven't checked out my ongoing Race in America series, I recommend it for informational purposes. I'm really trying to hammer down the point that being aware of the bigger picture is super important when it comes to topics about race. And personally, I'm, I'm proud of what I've been producing in that area. Today's a good one. Today is a good one. I am diving into how much of a basketball nerd I really am with this one. Uh, we are talking about the NBA draft and more specifically, what the best colleges or options for NBA prospects to take en route to their goals. In some real world news, COVID is still going crazy. I mean, the 14 day average for all cases across the U.S. is insane. Maryland has seen over 2,000 cases three times over the last week when this time a month ago we were only seeing around 500 to 600 cases a day. Some places are implementing restrictions. Maryland is making sure every non-essential establishment is closed by 10 p.m. Philadelphia went even further enrolled the city back to phase one as of this coming Friday. So that means no gyms, no indoor dining, none of that. Which, in my opinion, shouldn't have been happening in the first place. Like, if if everything closed early on in the year because we were afraid of COVID spreading quickly indoors, then we shifted to outdoor dining to try to mitigate that. Why would you willingly eat indoors, right? It's almost like people forgot the entire point anyway. Uh, the, the whole point was to avoid doing that entirely, all because if you put your mask on for 23 hours a day, but you have it off in public for one hour a day, it doesn't mean you don't get it in that one hour. You, you The second you take it off, you're exposing yourself, right? That's not how that, that's how viruses work. They don't like, oh, man, it's like, you know how you think that all because you pull your covers over yourself at night that the boogeyman won't come and get you. No, if 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 it's time, if it's your time to go, it's your time and viruses work the same way. The second your mask is off, you're just as vulnerable as someone who never wore one in the first place. So I don't know why people were still going out anyway but hey that's that's for them that's their decision to make you know and and literally as of today over 250,000 Americans have been killed by covid which is literally awful so i mean i feel like anyone should realistically try to stay away from public spaces as much as they humanly can so for the first time in a little bit 
coming back with the recommendations section. So what have I been consuming? Uh, on the TV slash streaming side, I've been watching The Cost of Winning, which is an HBO documentary about St. Fra- Francis Academy in Baltimore, which is really, really good. Uh, it's really nice just seeing uh, like a major company highlight something in my area. So I really like it. Um, I don't. I did definitely didn't miss giving fantasy football updates, considering all I do is lose. I mean, I have people on my bench who go for like 20, 25, 30, depending on the week. And I start people who go for five, six, seven, you know what I mean? And it just, it's never consistent, you know? So I, I'm done. I, I'm considering just throwing all of my, like just being nice to the people in my group and just trading the picks, trading all of my players to them because, you know, why not? You know what I mean? So got some music and podcast recommendations. Some of these songs aren't even new. I just have been listening to them this week. Um, we got BS by Janae Aiko featuring her because, you know, I always listen to her. Uh, TD by Little Yachty featuring ASAP Rocky, Tyler the Creator, and Tierra Wack. Got Forfeit by Kiana Leday featuring Lucky Day. And So Done by Alicia Keys featuring Khalid. I've been listening to Boom Bust, The Rise and Fall of HQ Trivia by the Ringer Podcast Network. It's actually really good. It's about the trivia company app that was really popular a couple years ago and this is they're just talking through all the things that happen and it's a really good listen from time to time i've been listening over the past week and it's really informative i really like it and if you're here for basketball which i assume you are i have a, i have several basketball recommendations coming up as well now to begin the main topic for today the nba draft now, I haven't tracked the hours exactly, but this project has taken over 65 hours since the last time I counted, um, and I put a lot of work into it, and I did it all just to answer this one question I had years ago. What is the best route for high school players to take? This was spurred on by... LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton going overseas instead of going to college for their one year. And I mean, LaMelo wouldn't have been eligible anyway. And that also reminded me of when Emmanuel Moutier a few years ago, he did the same. He went overseas. Then Darius Baisley did a $1 million internship with New Balance instead of playing college basketball as well. And and top players from next year's draft class opted to play straight in the G League. So there's a lot of like avenues coming up and I wanted to see which ones are best. So the premise for this also like was also influenced by the large amount of John Calipari Kentucky players that were thriving in the bubble over the past season. So you had Devin Booker, the Suns went undefeated. 
Tyler Hero was in the NBA Finals. Jamal Murray went crazy in the Western Conference. Um, same thing with Bam Adebayo. So when I started looking at this, I'm like, man, these Kentucky players are, are really showing out here. So I wanted to see, like, what like what is it that is the best way what college what is it better to go to international places is it better to go to college is it better better to come straight out of high school so i really wanted to answer that question for myself so let's let's start with this thing that's true we just gotta we just gotta say this out loud drafts are hard it is it is hard to draft consistently really well right We've seen plenty of overwhelmingly bad draft picks and drafts as a whole, right? And that's the thing about the NBA draft. It's all about fit, right? The number one pick isn't always about who is best, right? In 1984, I believe it's the year, 84, Houston had the first pick and Portland had the second pick. Chicago had the third, right? Both Houston and Chicago, I mean, Houston and Portland passed on Michael Jordan, but that's because of the fit. It's about the the, the league at the time was big man this, big man that, you win championship. That's really how it was, right? I mean, as we'll see when I get into like the breakdown later, at the time, it was, what, Kareem doing Kareem things. And, I mean, you had Larry Bird, but Larry Bird was still bigger, although he was a perimeter player. But it was Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, uh, Moses Malone, big guy doing big guy things. You know what I mean? There weren't too many perimeter players that would elevate you, so to speak. So, back then, it was, hey, you need a big guy. So, the number one pick was, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon, and he definitely wasn't a bad number one pick in the slightest. Two championships, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, all of that. I mean, he did exactly what was asked of him, and Houston, I don't think that they regretted taking that pick, right? And with Portland, they took Sam Bowie out of Kentucky, and he was a big guy, right? And obviously, when you see someone go in front of Michael Jordan, you're like, hey, you know, I don't think that would be a good pick in hindsight. But in the moment, if you just took in the I think it was the 83 draft the year before they had like the 13th, 14th pick, something like that Portland had and Portland took Clyde Drexler. Right. If you already have Clyde Drexler and he's performing well, you don't think, oh, let's draft another wing player, another guard that would play exactly Clyde's position at that time, right? If you have someone who Clyde Drexler took them to two NBA finals, I believe, in 90 and 92, right? And if you're going to have a player like that, you don't think you're going to have to draft Michael Jordan because you have a wing player already. But then you have Sam Bowie who had injuries and everything and Chicago drafted Michael Jordan and well, he's Michael Jordan. So it's all about fit. And 
to discuss all of that, I just want to run down all of the players that in the past I've liked, all the players right now that I've had my eye on, and especially like the top prospects and everything, and then get into the meat of the question, what colleges or programs are the best. So first and foremost, we should say for full transparency that I love LaMelo Ball. That's just how it is. I love this kid, right? And I say kid because obviously he's younger than me. But, I mean, I've been watching him play since his sophomore year when it was him and LiAngelo and Onyeke Onkagwu with Chino Hills, right? And... Ever since then, I was like, no matter what, I love this kid, right? That's just how it's going to be. I really want him to play well. I want him to do well, no matter what happens, right? And that's with him going to uh, Lithuania and playing over there, which was, you know, something. Then coming back, playing in the league his dad made, and then playing at a prep school, then playing... Uh, in Australia. I mean, it was a mess, but I mean, I loved it. You know what I mean? I loved the mess and watching it um, because he's really entertaining. So we should say that if there's a bias on this podcast, it is definitely for LaMelo Ball. Um, and let's just talk about players that I've looked at in the past kind of in some consideration, right? Because there's been players I've been right about and there's players I've been completely wrong about, right? One of them or I would say I was right about is Sam Decker, right? Wisconsin had this huge March Madness run in like 2014, whatever it was. And they drafted and Sam Decker got drafted in the lottery because of that. And I was just thinking, there's not a shot. This guy's that good. There's no way. Like there's no way he's that good. And yeah, I'm right. (laughs) Um, then Anthony Bennett being the first overall pick, I was like, I've never heard of this dude before. And I mean, I don't think it'll go well and it didn't go well. And Josh Jackson never really surprised, like never really wowed me when he was at Kansas. I just saw he was a wing, but he didn't really project well to me. A lot of people projected him because of his length, because of his size. And when you already have the physical attributes, A lot of people think, oh, all you have to do is get him in the lab and he'll become a better shooter. And realistically, that's not happening. Right. But I've been wrong. I've very much been wrong before, too. Um, I thought Trevon Duvall was going to be really, really, really good. He was so explosive and really good ball handler. He went to Duke and it just it just the system didn't work for him. You know, like that same year. They had, like, Alabama had Colin Sexton. And you could see that Alabama let Colin Sexton and all of his insane talent do whatever he wanted, right? Versus in at Duke, Coach K wasn't having Trevon play in a system that catered to him, right? The only, he wasn't getting open shots other than threes, in that because other teams would just play zone against Duke and 
that system, that free-flowing system that someone like a Trey Young would get, like a Colin Sexton would get, I feel like he would have worked better in that system, and it just didn't work out. Um, same thing about Dennis Smith Jr. Like, I, I was really high on him, and I feel like he could still be at least a serviceable player, but it, it, it's, it's evident that what we thought he could be isn't what's happening right now. Um, and, of course, Seventh Woods. I mean, I think... Like that, I feel like that hoop mixtape captured everyone's attention, you know. But realistically, he, what I think he already transferred. I think he transferred out of North Carolina, and it's just because he just didn't improve past that. Like he was six two as a freshman in high school, and was dunking on everybody, right? But if you look him up now, he's still like six three. Right. So for to only get an inch taller from your freshman year of high school literally kills your overall chances of being a prospect, you know, and what ends up happening is someone like that. It's really easy to play against them if they can't shoot. That's really just how it is. And I was just like, man, there's no way that someone like this could like flop. I mean, how good could could someone like that be? But if you go from 6'2 as a freshman to 6'3 as a senior in college, I mean, what what room is there left for you to really improve other than shoot and he still didn't learn how to shoot. Um my favorite players from a few drafts, so Overall, I just really like Oklahoma guys. <laughs> I mean, I loved Buddy Heald when he was in Oklahoma. I loved Trey Young when he was at Oklahoma. And then, of course, my problematic favorite, Michael Porter Jr. Um, yeah, I like his talent is obviously there. His decision making is really bad, right? Off the floor, on the floor, it's really bad. And his defense is pathetic. But offensively, he is so good. And uh, some, I just wish he wasn't just so problematic. <laughs> and I think my overall conclusion is I really like explosive guards. That's just how it is, right? Explosive guards are really easy to make a hoop mixtape out of, a ball is life highlight tape out of, and it gets the people going, right? But I think I've evolved a little more outside of that and like who my favorite players are in the upcoming years are and especially this year are a little different than just, oh, they can jump out of the gym. So for any kind of clarification as to like how deep into basketball lifestyle and just evaluating things I was, I wanted to tell this story. Um, I remember the moment when I kind of knew that I was above average in my knowledge of basketball. I was 19 during my first internship, and I was a little afraid to to voice my opinion about anything that I may have disagreed with because everyone I worked with was at least like 23 years old, college degree, CPA, all that stuff, right? So there's this guy who was like, and like he's like 25, 26, 
and he was a huge Duke fan, like huge Duke basketball fan. And he was talking about Grayson Allen. And I decided to speak up because, well, I hated Grayson Allen and his whiny attitude and how he trips everyone. And I pointed out that he's not really improving every single year. He's just taking more shots, right? He has an increased role in the offense, so he started taking more shots. So his numbers go up, but like his actual efficiency hasn't gone up at all. Some years it's gone down, right? And my coworker completely blew me off. He was like, I have, you have no idea what you're talking about. Just look at his points. Just look at his blah, blah, blah. And me being like the little nerd I was, I was like, well, his effective field goal percentage is this, his true shooting percentage is this, but I kept that to myself. Right. Because still most people don't know what true shooting percentage is. Right. So I was like completely reluctant to speak up about anything for like a, for a couple days because like I was like damn he really he just dunked on me like that right but about like three four days later he comes up to me in the break room and says hey so I checked out what you had to say about Grayson and you were completely right and that was my moment you know what I mean like he just acknowledged that I was right so I was like you know what Theo you you do know what you're talking about (laughs) So, so far, the, the, um, the evaluations here, I did it in a gigantic Excel sheet, which I'll get into. So the, the conclusions kind of just like give you a taste of what I'm looking at here is that international players take up a gigantic share of the lottery picks, but not a ton of the all NBA spots. Um, so a lot of them are like, offensive first options and some hall of famers but the overall amount of players they they're more like role players right there's more tony ku coaches than there are like Giannis's, if you know what i'm trying to say from the lottery so you have dirk you have Giannis, tony ku coach pages soyakovich and hito turkulu um another conclusion is that the guys who do really well in college like like they're like all Americans and stuff like that, they don't tend to project that well that often, right? So you have your Jimmer Fredettes, your Adam Morrisons, your Doug McDermott's, your Frank Kaminsky's, your Grayson Allen's, um, anyone from Wisconsin, anyone. Like they, they've been a top 20 school this entire time and they have really nothing to show for it. Like especially Nigel Hayes, um, Tyler Ennis from Syracuse, Dewan Blair from Pittsburgh, and Tyler Hansborough. Like these guys were, when they were playing college, they were literally all Americans or like in that echelon. And they don't usually project too well, right? And then certain prolific college programs just don't make NBA stars as often in the modern NBA, right? They, t- they can make good role players is what I mean. So you have North Carolina, you have Syracuse, you have Villanova, you have Gonzaga, right? These kinds of programs don't usually make all-stars. They usually make role players or really no one sometimes, right? Georgetown is gone. <laughs> Georgetown was a really big deal early on and... Then they just fell off, fell off the map, 
in terms of overall production, in terms of talent and stuff like that. Like, yeah, they have Otto Porter, but Otto Porter has just been overpaid this entire time. So to get into the actual prospects that are, that are going to be drafted, usually early on, like what are projected to be early on tonight, uh, I'm recording this like Wednesday afternoon. So let's start with Anthony Edwards. He He's really similar to like Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz in terms of how much they won in college, which is not that much. Um, Edwards, he's athletic. He gets to the bucket. Um, he like, he projects well to be a good shot creator. The only problem is that he takes really bad shots sometimes. Like he shot really low percentage from three. And you could argue that that is, that is because he took really difficult step back shots, like outside of the flow of the offense. But realistically if a team tries to simplify what kinds of shots he takes it would seem that he would shoot better but he's also really inconsistent on defense and that's the thing about rookies overall is that rookies usually are just bad on defense that's kind of how it is right outside of your your like your Matisse Thibels and everyone like that you usually get rookies who are bad on defense for their first couple of years. And they learn the schemes. They learn how to like, you know, bend their knees on like when a screen comes and stuff like that. They learn all of those rotations and just techniques to get better. Right. So I'm not super concerned about his defense because he's athletic enough to at least try to calm that down. But as of right now, that's something he definitely needs to improve on. Uh, James Wiseman, you don't get too much of a sample size with him. He only played a few games at Memphis before like the NCAA, like basically said he like accepted money to go to Memphis, which whatever, who cares if he did or he didn't. Um, but James Wiseman, he like seven, one really good. Like he's really good athlete, really good, like fluid, fluid wise, like in terms of his movement and things like that. Um, he has good touch around the rim, a uh, strong finisher. The only thing that I would say needs to be worked on is like if you give him the ball 17 feet away from the rim, it's almost like no man's land. Like I I don't care about him shooting threes specifically, but if if I'm saying okay, he's out, you know, an AD position, uh, a bam position or, or something like that. I don't think I'm specifically comfortable with him being that guy on offense early on. And for a number one pick or a top three pick at the very least, you would kind of hope so, right? But he's a good athlete. I And he, this, I mean, there's a chance he goes to Golden State, which I'll talk about right now. I don't think it would be crazy for him to go to Golden State, right? Because I know we think of Golden State now as like, 2018 they have what Iggy Draymond Katie Steph and Clay Thompson in the starting five but if you look at it pre Kevin Durant it was 
Andrew Bogut got a lot of minutes. Saza Pachulia got a lot of minutes. Maurice Spates got some minutes. Fesses Azili got some minutes. Anderson Verajao got some minutes. So they ha- they've played with bigs before. Um, it's not something that's completely brand new to Steve Kerr and like the Warriors franchise that they have Stephen Clay and Draymond with a big. That's not brand new. So I can see that happening really well for them, right? Now for my favorite, <laughs> LaMelo. I actually saw LaMelo play in person one time. He was playing some school that I don't really remember. He They were playing in Maryland. They played at Towson University, and they were playing, like, another prep school. And, like, he was just coming off of injury, so, of course, it doesn't, like, show, like, the full extent of a player. But the one thing I did notice that was that like it's still true to this day is that he's not that good of a shooter right he is super fluid with the basketball super like loose handle but he makes it work so that you never know when the pass is coming um really good in the open floor he's just not that good in the half court right and in Australia, he shot like 31% from the field and 25% from three, right? Which for a guard is horrible. And like he's not super good on defense. But like I said, with most prospects, you're not too concerned about defense long term because they, they'll they learn that part for the most part. Um, and he's long. He's 6'7". So like I'm not too concerned with him. It's just that his good defense is really risky. Like he plays very, I would say opportunistic defense. So like the way they played in Chino Hills was you're going to play for the steal, then play for the outlet pass. And then you get points off of those transition points. But he gambles on the passing lanes all the time and he's fast and he's got long arms. So it works sometimes, but against NBA offenses, that's usually two points or three points anytime you whiff. So we will have to see how much that gets better. He's not that good around the rim. Like he's afraid of contact sometimes, which I think with like NBA level nutrition and like weightlifting programs that he'll be better at that. Um, But yeah, we'll work on, he has to work on the shot because it starts in the center of his chest. He kind of flings it up. His feet aren't super consistent when he lands. So I think it, that like that will be where he'll need to improve the most. But I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if he does, because what would happen is since he's already such a dynamic passer, if he can at least threaten you by shooting 33 percent from three, then that's already a pretty complete guard. Right. So I'm excited for him. I've really, you know, I've been following him for a really long time. So I'm really looking forward to see how this turns out for him. Let's just rattle off the next few. So Tyrese Halliburton, uh, he has a very, he's really good with the ball. He's a really good decision maker. He's good on defense at the point of attack, good at rotations and everything like that. The concern is his shot creation. His shot's really stiff. Like it's very robotic and that would lead to concerns of how good is he shooting off the dribble catch and shoot obviously isn't 
too much of a big deal. But in the flow of the offense, if uh, if your primary ball handler can only take catch and shoot threes or any kind of jump shot that's in, that's set, then you are kind of limited, right? Uh, Danny Avdia out of Israel, he is really good with the ball, good decision-making, really good on defense. He's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, in that range. But the same concern is the shot creation. He didn't shoot well at all from any distance other than right at the rim. Um, Mid-range, not there. Three-point, not there. Off the dribble, not there. Out of the pick and roll, not there. So if he can solidify his shot, you have a really good player. You have a really good wing. But outside of that, I would say him playing good defense is like good like for the role he was in, especially playing in Israel and in the EuroLeague. But the shot creation is the concern. Killian Hayes out of France. This is uh, Kevin O'Connor's favorite. He left-handed, really good with the ball. Um good like really good on defense he's like six five uh has the he already has the good cross court passes which are completely instrumental to navigating the pick and roll if you're if your pick and roll primary ball handler can't hit the opposites the weak side corner then you're not really going anywhere offensively but he can hit that pass right he isn't the greatest shooter, but his mechanics are good. Uh, he has the step backs. He has like the dribble moves to free open his shot. He just has to hit them. Uh, Obi Toppin, the literally the best player in college basketball last year, has the most insane dunk package I've probably seen of a college player in recent years. I mean, I know it's like, oh my gosh, how could you say that about? Zion. Zion was all Tomahawks. Let's let's be transparent. Well, he did hit a 360. But what I'm saying is on a fast break at Dayton University, Obi Toppin hit went between the legs in a in a game. And I'm like, what? Like I had never seen that before from a high level player, right? Like go between the legs in game in a serious college basketball game, which was crazy. Um but he's really athletic. He's really fast in the open floor. So as a rim runner, he'll already have a good, like good foundation there. Pick and roll as the as the roll man, he'll be really good there. All of the and he's like a good catch and shoot guy. He's like six nine, six ten. Um, the only problem is he's horrendous on defense. Like for his size, he's horrible on defense. He's bad in the post. He's bad on rotations. He's bad on the ball. Anyone who tries to go at him laterally, he will not defend them. It's really bad, right? He's great on offense in the post. He's really bad on defense in the post. He's bad when it's no man's land. He's bad at the point of attack. So those are the questions. I think he could be a really good like athlete in this kind of context, but... I mean, if he's like that size and he's getting abused on defense and put into foul trouble really early, you can't really see him getting consistent minutes if the bigger guys in the league that are his size, the LeBrons, the Lucas, the 80s, the Jokic's, like the bigger players are just manhandling him. 
then you don't see much of an opportunity for him to get a lot of minutes. Um, some other guys, Devin Vassell out of Florida State looks good. Really good shooter. Um, he's just not super comfortable with the ball. Um, like his dribble pull-up game is pretty bad. Um, but he's got really long length defensively, everything like that. Um, and I think that him as a good third offensive option for like the foreseeable future is pretty solid, right? Him as a third option is really good, right? Uh, Onyeko Okongwu, I don't know if it's Onyeke or Onyeka, but Big O, Chino Hills, USC, love him, really good touch around the rim with the floaters, the the like the 14 foot jump shot, the like lob threat, really versatile on defense. Uh, he's not that good outside of 18 feet, but if your point, if since he's six ten, and you know that his like at least the first three years of his career, you're not asking him to create off the dribble from that far away. If you can simplify his role to be like a Brandon Clark, so to speak, right? Just roll to the basket really, really, really hard and seal down there, then you have a really good player on both ends of the floor. Um, so let's let's talk about let's talk about the actual project that I worked on, right? So this is how I broke it down. And this is all of the silly little thoughts I had in my head, right? So I started with the modern NBA, right? And I decided how do how am I going to assess what colleges are best? Like how how do you determine that? So I made some big categories and then some subcategories. So I did it by number of lottery picks. So I started with the 1979 draft because that's when Magic Johnson was drafted, right? So I started with the 1979 draft and I just listed all the colleges who have had lottery picks, so 1 through 15. Then the rookie teams for for every year from 1980 on, so all of the rookie players and everything like that. And then I did the top five like major category stats, right? So the top five scores from every year, the top five rebounders from every year, assists, steals, blocks, right? Because not everyone who makes a, a rookie list is good and not everyone who doesn't make a rookie list is bad. So I wanted to give it some room there. So like this is, you know, like the guys who fill up the stat sheet that can still be productive scores or rebounders for your team, but they didn't get like the early praise, right? You can have guys who were like, like for example, like a Draymond Green, right? He wasn't a lottery pick, right? But you know, he could, he's still very valuable. He didn't make a rookie team, I don't believe, from what I checked, and but he'll still be very valuable for your team in this kind of aspect as well, right? <clears throat> uh, so I have the top five stats, and then. The all NBA stats. So I did first team all NBA and then I broke it down so you could see like which schools did had the most players from 1980 on. And then I did a little bonus for whoever won MVP because usually the case is that 
whoever won MVP was on first team all NBA. The same isn't the same for first team all defense. Like people who won defensive player of the year sometimes were on second team defense, which was really confusing, but that's just how it works. So the first team calculation combined uh, the high school, like, sorry, the like whatever place they went to school. So high school, North Carolina, whatever, then uh, did their player win MVP? How many pe- how many individual people from that school made it to certain lists and then stuff like that, right? Did the same rough thing for second team and then third team and then first team defense was the same thing. So whoever, like, so who, how many people from certain schools did made it? Um, then how many people, individual people produced made it. So what I'm trying to say is like, let's just say for reference state for reference sake, if you were saying that a player was say like California, we're going to use the university of California as an example, right? They had several instances where their players made it to like the, like the the top assist category, right? But they only produced two players who did it, right? So if Jason Kidd was top five in assists nine times, then oh, like California gets nine points for that. But in the individual player category, they only made one player who did that. So I factored that in too. Hope that clarifies it, right? So for back to first team defense, the defensive player did like they had the count, then individual players, and then a bonus for defensive player of the year. I broke it out. So like if you had a second team player be defensive player of the year, it like worked out well enough. And then I did all the calculations for that. Then the all stars, um, pretty straightforward. What? places produced the most all-stars and who were they um then the nba champions so the category i did for the the limitations i did for the nba champions was every player on an nba championship team that played at least 12 minutes during the nba finals right so i'd round up if it was 11 and a half minutes so anyone who had who was like on a championship team and you think they contributed, but they only played like nine or 10 minutes. They didn't make the cut. So they had to play 12 minutes or more on the team that won the NBA finals. Right. And then of course, lastly, finals MVPs. And I did this from, I did one chart from 1980 to 2020. Then I did a separate one. That was just 2010 to 2020 to kind of modernize the results, right? So, the big reveal. At number 10, at number 10 of the all-time calculation list was Duke with 96 points. So, Duke was the 10th best all-time school, right? And the notable areas as I'm, I didn't type this down because it's in Excel. So I'm just kind of clicking through. So you had people like Grant Hill post like good numbers for them. You had 
um, Shane Shane Battier. You had Elton Brand from time. Like you had certain players who contributed really well for them in this kind of aspect, right? So number eight, number nine, excuse me, the ninth best option all time for schools is Michigan State. And Michigan State was literally entirely carried by Magic Johnson, Draymond Green, and Shannon Brown, right? Magic Johnson with the MVPs, with the All-NBA numbers, with the top five stats because, you know, assists and everything like that. Like, Magic Johnson was the lion's share of their points here, right? Um, And then for, like, the championships like him and Draymond Green and then Shannon Brown for the Lakers in 2010. So Michigan State, number nine with 116 points. Number eight, only beating Michigan State by one point was Houston. So the University of Houston. So you have Hakeem Olajuwon, you have um, you have Clyde Drexler. So you have the... Like those two did a heavy amount of carrying for that group as well. Uh, number seven was the team I kind of based this entire exercise off of, which was Kentucky. So Kentucky overall had like they got a lot of their points from the lottery picks category. The they also did a lot from the all rookie teams. So a heavy majority of their points came from the rookie teams and the all NBA categories. Kentucky also had a lot of good rebounders early on in this list. So, and what I mean early on, I mean like, like years past, like pre 2000, right? Number six was Wake Forest, right? So Wake Forest made this list almost exclusively because of Chris Paul and Tim Duncan. Like they 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 were all over the place in this in this calculation, right? They Wake Forest had 180 points, right? But the craziest part about it was that Wake Forest was in 6th place with 180, but Fourth place, so two spots ahead of them, is only at 185. So Wake Forest was almost the fourth best option because of just two players, which was crazy, right? Number five. Number five. UCLA. Now, UCLA, of course, Kareem did what Kareem does, but UCLA still had some other players. Mark Eaton, one of them that comes to mind. Um, let's get some others in here. UCLA also had, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. UCLA had Bill Walton, Trevor Reza, Kevin Love. So they had 183 points. So only, um, only three more than Wake Forest was UCLA. Number four was Georgetown. Georgetown which was entirely carried by their the like the factory of mach- like of of 
big men that they made in like the 80s and 90s, right? You had in a row Patrick Ewing, uh, Dikembe Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning, like, and and then Allen Iverson, right? Those guys did all of George South's points, right? And and it, it's easy to see why when you have players like that, they're gonna lead the rebounding categories, the blocks categories, all of that, right? You have, I mean, with the with the blocks list, right? You have Patrick Ewing, Matumbo, Alonzo Mourning, and Roy Hibbert for them. And then, of course, for scoring, Allen Iverson did all of the scoring, and then Patrick Ewing as well. Um, number three. So, th- so to recap, before we get to the top three, Duke was 10th with 93, with 96 points, excuse me. Michigan State was 116 points in ninth place. Eighth place was Houston with 117, so only one more. Kentucky was 7th with 161. Wake Forest was 6th with 180. UCLA was 5th with 183. Georgetown was 4th with 185, right? And this is where it gets, like, broken open, right? With 235 points. The number three school is North Carolina. So North Carolina, obviously Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan and James Worthy did a really like basically did all of the work here. Um, But you had a lot of North Carolina players win NBA championships, right? You have Bob McAdoo, Bobby Jones, James Worthy, Mitch Kupchak, Scott Williams, Kenny, the Jet Smith. Rick Fox, Rasheed Wallace, Danny Green, and Harrison Barnes for North Carolina all win championships. Um, as far as all stars go, they had Bobby Jones, Michael Jordan, Brad Darty, Vince Carter, Jerry Stackhouse, Antoine Jameson, Rasheed Wallace, Walter Davis, J- David Thompson, and James Worthy. Um, so you had a very good showing from North Carolina, especially early on, right? Number two, with 314 points, the second best option is international. So I did this as all international players, rolled them up, put them together. So international players actually don't pr- like project well in certain categories, but completely dominate others, right? So there's only been two international finals MVPs. So those being uh, Dirk and Tony Parker, but they have tied for the most um, NBA champions, right? So Tony Kukoc, Tony Parker... Manu, Fabricio Oberto, Pau Gasol, Dirk, Boris Diaw, Tiago Splitter, Zaza Pachulia, Marcus Saul, and Serge Ibaka. They had a ton. They had the most all-stars, right? So just some, just to list some, a few. They had Detlef Schrempf, Elgauskas, Pau Gasol, Atenakupo, Dragic, Yao Ming, Porzingis, Dirk, Peja, Kirilenko, Mono Ginobili. So they had some really good players for that. 
um for the for the first team defense they actually had a really good showing there as well they've had three defensive player of the years um that's not true they've had four uh though three individual defensive player of the years but they've won it four times so Marcus Saul, Rudy Gobert and Giannis um and then <laughs> They also have the most players lead the like be top five in blocks, right? So Andre Kirilenko, Serge Ibaka, Darko Milicic, Rudy Gobert, Pau Gasol, and uh, Kristaps Porzingis, as well as Clint Capella. So they've had the most top five players in blocks for international prospects as well. So they have a lot of good defensive players here, and of course Dirk being Dirk. He's going to put up buckets, you know what I mean? Um, so that they showed out really well with 314 points, but they're not number one. Number one, the best option for players to choose as a prospect is high school. High school, this category scored 480 points. Yeah. International scored 314. North Carolina scored 235. High school got 480. And it's not hard to see why, right? You have LeBron, Kevin Garnett, Moses Malone, and it just keeps going from there, right? When you have a lot of high school players be turn into MVPs, then you have a really decided advantage here, right? As far as finals MVPs, there's been seven high school finals MVPs, and four of them are LeBron, then Moses Malone, and Kobe Bryant, right? You have, for as far as NBA champions go, they were tied for with international and North Carolina for the most NBA champions. So Moses Malone... Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Kendrick Perkins, Andrew Bynum, Tyson Chandler, Deshaun Stevenson, LeBron, Sean Livingston, J.R. Smith, and Dwight Howard. Um, as far as All-Stars go, they were second behind the international group. So they had Moses Malone, Sean Kemp, Tracy McGrady, Jermaine O'Neal, LeBron, Dwight Howard, Kevin Garnett. Rashard Lewis, Amari Stoudemire, Tyson Chandler, Kobe, and Andrew Bynum. As far as All-NBA, for the first team All-NBA, it wasn't even close, right? To give you some scale, the total calculation for first team NBA, second place was North Carolina with 36 points, but high school had 109. And that's because eight high school, there's been eight instances where um, a high school player won MVP, right? So you have two Moses Malone MVPs, the Kevin Garnett MVP, uh, four LeBrons and one Kobe. So that boosted them a lot for that calculation as well. So you're seeing that the high school is blowing the options out of the water here, right? Um, But that isn't, like, that isn't, like, the total picture because I actually did another calculation from just 2010 on, right? So, from just 2010 on, you have a completely different landscape because so many of the schools 
earlier on are just not there anymore, right? Like I like there's no more uh southeast Oklahoma state. There's no more McNeese state. There's no more West Texas A&M, you know what I mean? But there's also some notable programs that basically fell off the map, right? Like for example, in the first one that included everybody, right? You had LSU because of Shaq and other players do well with 93 points, but in the other calculation, LSU only had 11, you know? Um, And then you get this really different top 10, which I can just run through really quickly, right? So you have entering the top 10 is Davidson, and it's literally only because of Steph Curry. From 2010 to now, Davidson has 34 points. And it's literally just because of Steph Curry, right? Number nine is Marquette. And it's because of Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. They only had two more points at 36 compared to Davidson. Number eight is Duke, right? So Duke, you have... Um, in the NBA Finals, you have Shane Battier. You have, um, like, as far as All-Stars go, Jason Tatum. You have, let's see, let's see, let's see. Who else showed out really well from Duke? But either either way, right, Duke slides its way in. And, oh, I get it now. It's because of the lottery picks, right? Duke had 13 points in the lottery pick section, and that's over a thir- that's almost a third of their points, right? Duke with 13 lottery picks between 2010 and right now. And that's not including what happens tonight. Uh, Number seven is Arizona State. And (laughs) you know why. It's because of James Harden. They only had two more points over Duke. So that's still. um, So like it's not a gigantic gap or anything like that. Number six is still Wake Forest. (laughs) Wake Forest is still here at number six. Right. Um, and with a pretty sizable margin because they're actually tied for sixth or would you say tied for fifth? I don't know because they're tied with UCLA, right? So UCLA having Zach Levine, UCLA with Darren Collinson. Um, so you have, you still have like some of, some of the older programs still lurking around. And of course, Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook. Um, number four is Texas, and that's because of Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge, Tristan Thompson. Um, they like, I mean, it's Kevin Durant, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's Kevin Durant, you know? Um, so that they, like, they pulled their weight up in that aspect. And then the top three which kind of confirmed the biases that I had. So number three with 125 points compared to Texas's 70 was Kentucky. You have John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, Bam Adebayo. Like you have these really, really good players performing really, really well uh, in recent years as well. Number two was international. 
which has isn't as big as of a, of a gap. They only lost to high school by 10 points. High school had 180. International had 170. So international, you got Giannis, Pau Gasol, won a championship in 2010. Um, Dirk won in 2011. Uh, Giannis with the MVPs. Luka doing Luka things, you know. So they're doing still very, very well. Uh, Chris Stapps, you know. And, of course, high school because, you know, LeBron. <laughs> still LeBron's world, and we're just living in it. So, in conclusion, the in the modern NBA overall from 1980 to now, you're looking at go just go do whatever you can to come out of high school, do that. International, North Carolina, and Georgetown were the top four there. But from 2010 on, so more modern, high school, international Kentucky, and Texas were the top four. So those are my conclusions from this really, 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 really long project I just did. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, This was a lot of fun. I would say, oh, my recommendations for... For this podcast, let me bring them up really quick. So, the bet, like, so what I learned best was from Matt Babcock on Twitter. Matt Babcock Hoops, he had really good draft breakdowns. Um, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer has like a gigantic mock draft that he's been updating continuously. Um, Hoop, Vi- Hoop Vision 68 is a YouTube channel, which is really good. Um, Thinking Basketball, my favorite from by Ben Taylor. Um, honestly, he don't miss. And I've been listening and watching Ben Taylor for literally forever. And then the most important one, I will say, is this YouTube channel called Hoop Intellect. Um, they only have like 13,000 subscribers, but the content is so good that I learned so much about all of these players really, really quickly. So Hoop Intellect on YouTube is like one-stop shop for everything you need to know about all of these players. So I want to say thank you for tuning in. This was a lot of fun. Um, This won't be the only project I do towards the NBA draft. I have another one coming. It's probably going to take a while, but I have another one coming down down the way, um, and I'm really excited for it. So thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a good weekend. Stay safe. Uh, Bless up for LaMelo, and I'll see you guys next time.